0: So just how big a problem are these neo-Nazi and alt-right movements here in Canada? That is, uh, of course, a question that we're asking in the wake of Friday's terror attack on Muslim worshippers who were killed as they prayed in that uh, in two of those New Zealand mosques. And uh, I think without question, it's obvious social media has become this festering pit where a lot of these fringe folks are able to gather and have been able to establish a foothold in, in the dark web. But... You know, they'll hide behind free speech laws in order to spew their hate. And they really are no longer just a few idiots in their parents' basement. They are now growing and taking root, um, you know, showing their hate against Jews, pushing their anti-Muslim movements right out into the open. Evan Balgard is the uh, executive director of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, and he's been studying these far-right groups and anti-Muslim movements for a long time. And he says... Ignoring it is nothing short of dangerous. He joins us now and Evan, good to have you with us Um, We know that these neo-nazi and white national groups Hate Jews or are both of these different types of hate developing at the same time.
1: Well in Canada. There are two um, largely distinct uh, hate movements Uh, Both of them contain neo-nazis, but there are two distinct movements. One of them is this uh, anti-muslim movement uh, that a lot of the groups involved with the LFS Canada movement, for example, uh, overlap there. And the other side of that is this uh, alt right neo Nazi movement. And there's not that uh, that many overlaps in terms of them like organizing and doing things together. But yes, um, today, their their primary goal of, of kind of both groups is to foment hatred towards uh, towards Muslims.
0: Okay, and so how big or how how prevalent is this problem? Because I think for the longest time we've thought it's a couple of hundred people, nothing to say. You know, they're small, you know, out of sight, out of mind. How big is it in this country, let's say?
1: Well, uh, the new, newest research that just came out from um, uh, doctors, Barbara Perry and Ryan Scrivens, who are... Um, a couple of uh, academics in the field that kind of study this, um, they had previously pegged the number of, uh, of hate groups of uh, mostly of right extremist groups in Canada at, at around one hundred and thirty, and that was their research from a year or two years ago. Now that number is at is at three hundred and, and to put that in perspective, um, in the United States, there are maybe twelve hundred hate groups. Um, we have ten times less the population, so you think there'd only be like one hundred and twenty in Canada, and in fact there's three hundred so proportionally to the United States, you know, we may have the same size problem, you know, kind of on a per capita basis, or a worse problem. And, uh, and today, there's, in fact, more of them, and they are more active and more in public uh, than in Canada's recent history, like thinking of the, the, the neo-Nazis out in the 90s, or in the early 1000s, you know, there are uh, far more of them now, and they are far more public.
0: Okay. And so, I mean, you go into the dark web and you study these groups. I mean, what are the kinds of conversations that they're being had? I mean, given what we watched unfold in New Zealand, obviously um, this guy felt emboldened. He clearly had a base that he talks to. I mean, what what kinds of conversations are they having?
1: Yeah. So in, in both movements, the anti-Muslim movement or the alt-right neo-Nazi movement, you know, you will find um, overt, uh, overt hatred. Uh, you will find death threats and, and people encouraging each other to go out uh, and um, hurt or kill members of you know, XYZ group, often, often Muslims, sometimes women, sometimes Jews. Um, so you'll find uh, pretty much all of that. And it's not just all in the dark web either. I mean, on Facebook, you can go right now to the Yellow Vest Canada Facebook page. And uh, this is just you know, on public Facebook, anybody can access it. Uh, and you know, within 10, 15 minutes of scrolling through, uh, I'm sure you'll find your first death threat, if not a half dozen.
0: Sure. And I want to talk about the Yellow Vest because we've seen this movement across uh, Europe, you know, these violent um, uh, protests that are happening across France. Are the Yellow Vests in Europe the same thing as what we're seeing in Canada, or is this a different movement?
1: No, it's entirely different. So when the Yellow Vests kind of sprung up in, in Canada, uh, online on Facebook first, of course, because that's just how it happens now, but they, they sprung up in early December, mid-December-ish, and they exploded in a number very quickly until the group sits at like 110,000 people now. But we started monitoring it when it was maybe uh, 10,000 to 30,000 people. We started monitoring it because all the other kind of anti-Muslim extremist groups that we monitor very quickly joined the yellow vest thing if they weren't involved in, in creating kind of their own yellow vest inspired groups. And we saw that, you know, in France, um, it includes, uh, you know, leftist individuals or centrists or whatever. And it's become like kind of this um, wide encompassing, Kind of social and anti-government kind of movement, here in Canada when, when individuals who would identify more as left or even just center or centrists, when they tried to join the group and become active in conversations in the Yellow Vest Canada pages, um, they were very quickly called communists and basically harassed out of the community. So here in Canada, the Yellow Vest movement has been, um, it's only really one thing and that is uh, very far right. Okay. And associated kind of with, with racist groups.
0: What we have seen, though, you know, you had the truckers' convoy with very legitimate concerns about oil prices and fighting for their jobs. They, they brought their convoy across Canada. And what I get the sense of with the yellow vests in Canada is that they're very, very disorganized. Either some of them don't know what they're tangling with and or flirting with, but do they attach themselves to legitimate protests? And do the legitimate protests understand what's being attached to them?
1: Well, the Yellow Vest Canada, that convoy was a Yellow Vest Canada convoy when it started. The organizer, Glenn Carrot, kind of took over it and renamed it and, and tried to disassociate themselves from the Yellow Vests or from the kind of overt racism and death threats which came to characterize them. So this was more of a, of a public relations move than anything actually tangible because the organizers of the convoy were still active in Yellow Vest groups. The organizers of the convoy, some of them themselves, had, had spoken in support of or followed like some of uh, the worst hate groups um, that we see online, such as the Worldwide Coalition Against Islam or, or like Wolves of Odin, Sons of Odin. Um, so really it was, it was just putting lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually wasn't ever divorced from the LFS. And you really saw that once, once they reached uh, Parliament Hill and all of them were wearing um, LFS. So they tried to dis- distance themselves um, more as a media move. But really, if you look at the LFS Canada Facebook page, you know, they claimed the convoy as theirs and carrot was fine with that. And um, if you look at like the issues that they have, like number one, not liking Muslims, number two, um, not liking Trudeau. And then you get into a bunch of like conspiracy theories and, and UN related George Soros related, new world order related stuff. And then somewhere down the laundry list of issues, Yes, pipelines do appear, but by no means is it like the number one thing you get as a takeaway from visiting their page.
0: Okay. And so, you know, Andrew Shear, Maxime Bernier, for sure there have been politicians who have gotten themselves into trouble because they haven't denounced this. And is this a case of naivete or, I mean, how do you stamp this thing out? Because clearly they're not going away. And when you see a yellow vest in the crowd, whether it's through sheer ignorance that someone doesn't realize they've joined this group um, – what what do the politicians uh, have to do to, to to speak out against this
1: well um i find it unbelievable that the politicians would not kind of know um what these things are they have gotten large enough there have been a number of politicians that have spoken kind of in support of it now and you know i used to work as a political staffer at one point point. and as a political staffer you don't send your uh your politician you don't send your person to a rally or to an event like that or, or even have them give an endorsement without briefing your person on, you know, what it's about. Mm-hmm. And you can't spend more than 10 or 15 minutes on their Facebook page before you realize that, like, the Elvis canda thing is super toxic, racist, death threats, et cetera. So, unfortunately, what happened is we saw, you know, we saw Bernier, we saw Tier and, and some others basically endorse um, a movement which is called to the death of their political opponent. And I think that's the first time that's happened in recent memory in Canada. Um, and I don't think that has any place in our politics.
0: Well, it has no place in our country, and it should be stamped out. I don't care what the party is, and I've, I've gone after all of them saying none of you should be flirting with any kind of extreme groups, whether it's mosques that get terror funding and or BDS groups or any of these kinds of groups, because we've seen this rise in anti-Semitism. We've seen this rise in, in Jew and Muslim hate. It is happening, and I think mo- all of our politicians to some degree uh, are wrong for not stamping any of it out.
1: Well, I, w- I would certainly like to see some more action. And, and in a case like this, where it has been pretty clear cut, um, all, all you need from from Sharon Bernier is an apology and an announcement of the group. What's particularly concerning, um, and I'm sure there's a trend you've seen, too, is that um, it's increasingly hard to kind of get that accountability from politicians. Yep. And as a result, kind of those those hateful individuals um, find some encouragement and are more comfortable coming out in public and doing it over and over again.
0: Because it's not wrong. I mean, you can have concerns about, you know, issues, policy issues on immigration and that. That does not make you racist. However, this is all becoming very uh, politicized, weaponized. uh, Identity politics is at play here. Bottom line is we're going into a campaign season. All of these politicians are going to be out across this country and people will be showing up at their... Uh, events. And yeah. the last thing I think we want to see is a political season of of just back and forth and slinging of mud, because that to me becomes even more dangerous where you're weaponizing attacks against very serious uh, and real concerns. How do you see this campaign season then playing out if in fact these fringe groups are, are going to be showing up?
1: Yeah, I do have concerns about um, the LFS, Canada, and kind of the other anti-Muslim groups that make up a large bulk of the of the LFS. Um kind of disrupting events, trying to make uh, attention for themselves. It's one of the main things that they do. They'll, you know, they'll show up to an event, they'll live stream themselves disrupting it. Uh, I think that that is realistic uh, to expect. Um, and again, like a disavowal of them from, from senior politicians, just saying like, you know, uh, oil and gas concerns, whatever economic concerns you have are fine. You know, some conversations about, about immigration and how to to manage it, they're fine. But as soon as it verges into um, it, as soon as it verges into just like barely veiled um, racism and, and kind of death threats and stuff, that's that's the moment that it needs to be universally condemned.
0: And just before I let you go, Evan, since New Zealand happened and we watched this uh, this loser go out and do what he did and, and streamcast it, in your in your time over the last few days watching the web, have you seen the rhetoric heat up? Have you seen the conversations change?
1: There have been a few different responses kind of to that terrorist attack on those mosques um,
0: in New Zealand.
1: Um, one of the more common ones from right-wing extremists uh, has been, you know, um, it, it's always divert, divert, divert. You know, they don't want to have conversations about how their rhetoric conspires, this kind of thing. So they're saying, you know, how dare you blame me for this? Or they're saying, well, you didn't speak out about, you know, when these Christians were murdered in January, for example. Um, so we're kind of seeing that whataboutism come yep. up to it because they don't want to engage with the fact that they're, their rhetoric has kind of inspired this, the common rhetoric of, you know, white genocide, how there's some shadowy figures making it that there's less white people and more immigration and stuff like that, how it, this is the apocalypse essentially for white people and how this is super serious and you need to go out and do something about it. You know, that's what inspires um, people like this loser, like this terrorist um, to go to, and do what they did. So that's, that's pretty common rhetoric and that rhetoric has um, not gone anywhere since, at all since the, uh, Moss shooting, if anything, they're uh, even trying to use it a little bit to kind of drag that conversation uh, more into the mainstream.
0: Feeling emboldened. Well, we'll certainly watch and see. And Evan, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.